Hello and welcome to the Naturopathic Family Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Michael Smith, a naturopathic physician on a mission to help individuals and families achieve health and wellness across the lifespan and throughout generations. Thank you for joining me today. Hello, I'm excited to be here with my friend, Dr. Kayla Priest, and a fellow naturopathic doctor, um, and she uh, is a graduate of the of natu- the National University of Natural Medicine. Yep, um, I think that's mm-hmm. what it was called when you graduated. Nope, it was still in CNM. In CNM, the uh, national maybe college. the next year it changed. Yeah, but, yeah. So they they changed the names, but still the same institution. Um, diplomat of the American Board of Toxicology. That, that's of, a recent addition. Uh huh. Cool. <laughs> that's in there. In, in and that. lots yeah. of credentials with the Regulatory Affairs Professional Society. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, thanks for putting this together, and so good to meet you. Another fellow Idaho Falls person. Having yeah. having grown up here, it's always nice to come back, especially in the winter time, so I can get some Definitely. snow in my life. Oh, yeah. And uh, you may be over snow. I don't, I'm not sure where you're originally from. I don't recall, but um, yeah, I love snow. It's definitely different than Portland. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. In the northwest. But did you hear what happened to Portland? Uh, the freezing rain. And oh, trees everywhere, mm-hmm. falling on everyone's houses. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> it's yeah, ex- we're recording this in the middle of January where it's <laughs> it's fully wintertime. Love it. So it's mm-hmm. fun. Um, so you have been a naturopathic physician. Yeah. You've worked in the realm. You have treated patients. And then you've kind of taken this journey into kind of regulatory affairs, things like that. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you've ended up where you are right now? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So after school, I did some preceptoring, um, or I I filled in some some, um, needed... Jobs. What did I just say before? I was like, oh, I did. You can edit all this out. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. I was doing some maternity coverage Mm -hmm. for some other naturopathic midwives I had worked with. And then um, a year or so later, I started my own clinic in rural Washington. I was the only only medicine for an hour radius um, on the weekends. And so, you know, when I had moved there, I was like, what does the community need in Washington? And I'm not familiar with the scope of practice here in Idaho because mm-hmm. it changed in the last yeah, recently. Totally, so, yeah. um, but they're in Oregon, they're in Washington, um, right? Nice broad scope of practice. So I was like, what does the community need? They need, you know, if you're a lady and you get a UTI on the on the weekends, you just want someone who has some uh, some antibiotics, perhaps, or you just want some options. And so um, the closest place was about an hour away for emergency room. And so I opened my doors and um, did that for a few years. And then it was uh, a community that, like I said, was pretty small. And so the um, employment options for my husband at that point in time were kind of scarce. And so we decided to pack up the uh, brick and mortar practice. And I had a friend that I went to school with and she was working part time at a scientific and regulatory consulting um, employer. And she got me into that and it was remote. And um, my husband and I didn't really know where we were going to be landing yet. So it being remote, it being flexible um, was great. Everyone, um, this was AIBMR Life Sciences. Everyone there is a naturopathic doctor. And so they only hire other naturopathic doctors, which is very unique. It's very unique out there, especially 
Yes, even even in the the dietary supplement industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've worked a little bit in the regulatory spectrum myself, mm-hmm. having worked for a couple of years in medical devices mostly. Yeah. So I understand how um, complicated it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Over to complex, there there are many complexities. Mm-hmm. Um, as a consultant, like what what is you doing on a daily basis? Kind of like. What does that entail and, and how does it, and also second question, how do you get to use your naturopathic medical experience in that realm? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we'll answer that second question first, the naturopathic experience. So as I mentioned, the company AIBMR Life Sciences was all naturopaths and we hire naturopaths because we understand, um, right, human body, physiology um, can make, can uh, read read science. Um, all of those aspects would be would be parts of mm-hmm. kind of the extent of my naturopathic education that gets utilized in that way. There's a big chunk that doesn't get utilized at all, right? Because mm-hmm. like you know you're trained to be a clinician, um, and so we, we're not in clinical um, with the regulatory niche that AIBMR does, it's, it deals mostly with grass, which means generally recognized as safe, which is a designation for ingredients. Um, this would be food ingredients, dietary supplements is in that realm as well. And so it's a pretty, um, pretty specific kind of niche area and therefore, um, yeah, there, there's certainly other aspects of regulatory. Mm-hmm. I'll, just, I'll just say this. Um, to inspire other naturopaths, if they um, are interested in getting into the dietary supplement industry, there are other areas of uh, regulatory that is looking at um, clinical efficacy studies, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's certainly out there. It wasn't, well, it wasn't what I was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you're... Um Consulting other companies, probably high contracting with AIBMR, mm-hmm. wanting to get some advice on how to implement these grass principles regulations in their in their companies. Absolutely, yep. So a lot of new companies, or not necessarily new companies, it can be old companies as well, but uh, grass in that regulatory avenue is certainly for newer ingredients. Right, newer um, dietary supplement ingredients, functional food ingredients. So we did a lot of that, mm-hmm. and it is, um, yeah, it's it mostly is dealing with food safety, yeah. right? And that's where the toxicology comes in, right? So being able to understand the safety of ingredients via toxicology studies, whether or not that be rodent or it could be history of use but um yeah so for somebody listening they've maybe heard of toxicology they think of maybe forensics or something like that but that's maybe not what it is can you help for for like the layperson define toxicology for us oh that's a good i mean it would be like the study of toxins right and Uh the the most (laughs) any ology is the study of kind of like biology the study of life um nephrology the study of the kidney um so toxicology would be the study of toxins and something that's i think super cool about toxicology um is it's so darn broad, right? So when yeah. you go to like a toxicology conference, the majority of it will be will be pharmaceutical 
toxicologist, right? Because most of the money's in drugs and it's very expensive to develop it and you need to know the toxicological potential as soon as possible in the life cycle of those ingredients. But there's also forensic, like you said, forensic toxicology, super cool. There's medical toxicology. So, you know, you eat some bad mushrooms and your liver is dissolving in the hospital, right? You get the medical toxicologist um, in and then there's food toxicology. So that is, um, there's environmental toxicology, right? Um, toxicology of the waterways and how it's affecting fish or amphibians, right? It's all very interconnected and very, um, Similar, I mean, it, it harkened back for me into like environmental medicine, right, at school, mm-hmm. right, when you talk about bioaccumulation and, and things like that, right? I don't know if, who was teaching. We talked a little bit about that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was minimal, but um, yeah, it harkened back to, to some of those, right, how broad mm-hmm. it can be and yeah. how we're all interconnected for sure and um, the consequences of the things that, that we put in in our body. And there's totally. a lot of ways that things can get in your body, right? Yeah. You can inhale, you can ingest, you can put it on your skin. So um goes on and on. So, yeah, yeah it certainly was, was interesting um, learning about the toxicology. And then, um, so you had mentioned the Diplomat of the American Board of Toxicology. If you um, have a certain level of training, which I did as a naturopathic doctor, and then do toxicology for a certain number of years full-time, which I was doing at AIB Umbrella Life Sciences, you are able to sit for a test and then earn the Diplomat of the American Board of Toxicology, the DABT. Um, yeah, so I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. It's amazing how broad that talk, even yeah, toxicology can be. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think about it in terms of drugs or other natural substances. There's, like, these limits of... Um, if you take too much, it's going to be not healthy. And if mm-hmm. you take too little, it's not going to be, not going to work. Yeah, exactly. So you have this, like, like window of range. Absolutely. A lot with, you know, pharmacokinetics, right? Pharmacodynamics is very important. So um, pharmacy is certainly uh, a big part. So, again, mm-hmm. go- going back to, you know, how does naturopathic education um, apply? It, it applies in many ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then thinking about food toxicology, I think if food is something that we interface with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I know there's many people who I work with and in the kind of that are that are increasingly becoming more health conscious, mm-hmm. wanting to make sure that what they're eating in their bodies is is good for them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you know what I did for work? Yeah, <laughs> what I did for work there's, was like a single ingredient. What does that do or not do? Is that safe? Right. And this is, I think, the classic, um, certainly coming from naturopathic medicine and that and sort of more like environmental medicine background. We all say, oh, my goodness. Right. We're exposed to so much every day. Are all of these things truly, quote unquote, safe? Um, and when you go to toxicology conferences, like every, everyone knows that the studies aren't out there that have put all of these things, uh, hundreds of thousands of things we're exposed to every day in a system and tested it, right? Like mm-hmm. that, it's, it's not there, that's too many factors. <laughs> too yeah. many factors, maybe, hopefully, right? Like with more advancement with AI, um, we can get a little bit closer, but um, it, it's still pretty um, pretty analog, I, I think is how I would call it, right? Mm-hmm. Like the FDA requires animal studies, right? Um, in With new ingredients, mm-hmm. um, if there's not enough 
uh, evidence in the scientific literature that it isn't safe. And so, and that just seems pretty archaic. Um, you know, every year at toxicology conferences, it keeps saying, in silico, in silico, in silico, and a lot of other processes that um, would be applied to try to make a determination. Um, and in silico just means using more of a chip, a chip-based model, which blows my mind because I certainly, I'm perhaps more old school and analog still as well. Um, so instead of um, do looking at, say, kidney toxicology in a rat, you've got the kidney in silico, right, the kidney chip, and you're just going to expose that chip to the ingredient, the ingredient metabolites. So you really need to know, right, there's a lot of uh, background science before you can get to these, these states that, you know, using a chip. But, um, yeah, but at this point in time, right, FDA still requires the, the rat studies. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it is... And it's still pretty pretty linear in terms of um, if we see X happen, it's because we've only put in a single product, right? We've only mm -hmm. exposed the animal to a single thing. And it's thing. really hard to do that over, you know, thousands of products. Yeah. Testing yeah. to make sure each one is safe. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. Um, you've, tell us more about the grass generally, generally recognized mm -hmm. as safe. Mm-hmm. So we, we can't, maybe, we have to test every single one, but what's the regulatory, maybe, paradigm that the FDA goes through? Yeah. And how, so we hear about, like, grass, we hear about, like, the, a new drug is approved, there's a new medical mm -hmm. device that's clear, there's all these fancy terms, and mm -hmm. you can get really nitpicky on yeah, exactly. lingo. But from the grass perspective, mm -hmm. what does that mean? Yeah, and I think so often with regulatory, you always get a history lesson because what we have and do now is based on how it was before and the year before that, or maybe not the year, the decades before that, right, and the decades before mm -hmm. that. And so, um, you know, the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act was – was that the 60s? Okay, mm -hmm. I should have maybe written some of these things no, down for right. you. No, it's fine. I was looking it <laughs> you up can too. Go, I can't yeah, remember. Exactly. So um, with uh, – so we'll just talk about food, right, and mm -hmm. grass. And, and that is how grass is applied, the, the idea of um, – making an argument that something is generally recognized as safe, right? And the generally recognized aspect of it is that it is published and it's in the public domain and any expert out there could read the science and say like, yeah, that makes sense to me versus um, other countries that's not necessarily the, the pathway, right? Like over in Europe, it doesn't need to be published. In China, it doesn't need to be published. Um, but the scientific studies are certainly going to regulatory agencies over there. So they're certainly reading primary studies mm -hmm. and everything. It just doesn't need to be published for someone else out there mm -hmm. to say like, oh, wait, I, I, you know, find fault with this, I think, um, and have that good debate, um, right? That's the generally recognized aspect. And then as safe is, is the assessment, the technical aspect of an ingredient, which includes um, a good understanding of what it's, composed of, it's manufacturing, and it's intended use because um, things are only safe, you know, lessons in toxicology, right? The dose makes the poison. Things are only safe in 
the amount that the studies have shown, right? Like, so you drink too much water, you can die mm -hmm. because you don't have enough sodium. So even water can be dangerous, right? So anything can be a toxin. It's all about the dose. And so the um, exposure estimate part, so if you are, you have a new ingredient, you want it in food, you want to know how much the concentration of that ingredient in the food categories, and then you need to know how much of the U.S. population is eating that food category. And then you find a good average, you, you know, you do some more math. Um, so you can have a good estimate at the amount that a normal person may be exposed to. And then, you know, we come together as scientists and say, yes, we think this is safe. Um, so the grass pathway at this point in time in the United States, there is um, an FDA, a, you know, an FDA grass uh, pathway mm -hmm. where uh, consultants like what I did um, would make their case, right, put together a big report on all these things and then give it to the FDA and they look over it if they have questions we ask and then they would, um, it's not approved, but they would give a no objections letter to it being in the food supply at the doses that or at the exposures that um, has been written and kind of agreed on mm -hmm. upon in that in that grass um, document but you can also do it's called a uh, um, independent conclusion or kind of a a self-proclaimed grass method which many people or many companies do and Ideally, you're doing the same level of good science, of good work, of good writing, making an argument, uh, but you just keep it in-house and you don't have to tell the FDA about it. So those are the two pathways. People certainly have, um, it is what has gotten us this far mm -hmm. uh, in, in you know, the United States in their food security and food safety. And um, folks certainly, some folks certainly have, um, questions about, about um, you know, the self-independent um, conclusion, that self-proclaimed grass status that is allowed by industry. Um, every year you see some new um, bills coming up in Congress about wanting to try to uh, decrease that, that option, right, take that option away and just have it all FDA, FDA grass pathway. Mm -hmm. And the poor FDA just doesn't get funded enough, and they're behind on their work. <laughs> and uh, if that got changed, heck, um, things would slow down for sure. And the yeah. poor FDA would certainly be backlogged even more than they are now. Mm -hmm. But um, so those are that's 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 a little bit of of different grass path pathways. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I think it's intriguing for people that eat this food, eat food all the time, knowing kind of how the food is deemed safe, these ingredients are deemed safe or not. Because mm -hmm. especially on the, on the processed foods, there's a lot of, like, really little ingredients. Oh, for sure. And for sure, yeah. And so, yeah, and this grass process, how it is now, is from, like, the early 90s, right? And so even before that, um, you find there's obviously been food ingredients, right, for a very long time in the United States, and it's just these little uh, points in the regulatory timeline of like, okay, right, like since the 90s, we have this new grass process. Before the 90s, it was different. It was kind of that slower, every new ingredient had to get 
good formal approval by the FDA and you um, you got like a 21 CFR which is um, which that means that it's in the code of federal regulations mm -hmm. so it's such a you know stamped uh, approval process that it is in the code of federal regulations right like um, there, there's lots of different codes but yep, yep. Yeah, um, so it, it was different before, right? Th things are always changing, kind of like um, kind of the patent, certainly in the dietary supplement realm, right? Like with the Shea, right? Things really changed after certain things happened in history. And I, I think it's always fascinating to look back and see, like, how do we get to where we are today? Um, and... And you can kind of see it in the regulations, right? And then how that spans throughout business and industry and what we have access to or don't have access to, what different countries have access to or don't have mm -hmm. access to. So, um, yeah. I'm curious, how many new ingredients are being made, like, on a yearly basis? Like, how much oh, is that I repository? Know. I don't know if you've interface with that number I, I don't know if there's any way to know because you don't I mean, at least in the United yeah. States you don't have to tell everyone I mean there's guesses you always see big yeah. guesses and certainly you know I'm just talking about the food but there's certainly like cosmetics right and there's just chemicals at large for other things that you're mm -hmm. not necessarily going to be eating chemicals for your padding and your walls and things in your chairs um, that are new and have their own regulatory process so certainly. heck man certainly. can't even can't yeah. even imagine mm -hmm. and to think about how all of those are interfacing with our body and mm -hmm. then being ultimately metabolized by our liver and mm -hmm. all sorts of things it's exactly it's kind of crazy to think about yeah absolutely um, something I've heard a lot of discussions about is how we have some ingredients that um, food manufacturers in the United States use. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of those include like food, artificial food coloring, things like that. Mm -hmm. But then when you compare that to, say, Europe, mm -hmm. um, they don't they they don't allow those certain regulations, those certain chemicals. Excuse me ingredients. Mm -hmm. So like if you compare a package of M&Ms, for example, made in the U.S. and made in Europe, mm -hmm. you're going to get the same M&M that looks and feels and tastes the same, mm -hmm. but you're the, using different ingredients to do that. Oh, yeah. I'm curious yeah. from your perspective, uh -huh. um, how how is that possible? And why do why is it that it seems like the FDA is allowing us to be exposed to these food colorings and chemicals, which Various studies have shown different causes. These They cause different health conditions, things like mm -hmm. that. But in Europe or other countries, they don't mm -hmm. allow them. Mm -hmm. Different processes, for sure, right? Like, I think also a different... Um, I'm going to say, like, freedom of industry, mm -hmm. right? And so... Um, I think this is really cracking at some some deeper um, aspects of the United States, right? And the economy, the United States economy, these different industries. Um, there's a reason why you know everybody wants to come to the United States with their dietary supplement and in, right ingredients mm -hmm. and in products because it's easy yeah. to get here, right? Yeah. And we have the industry, right, billion billion dollar industry um, that's hopping and bopping along pretty well here in the United States. So. Um, it, it's, it's a very fascinating, you know, balance of 
industry and public health and the level of um, evidence and the level of um, I mean, and you, you see it, I mean, just recently, like a few weeks ago, right, the whole aspartame thing would come up again and some new, you know, some novel non-nutritive sweetener debate would come up again um, in terms of uh, safety and toxicology, right? And mm -hmm. so I take kind of a neutral hands-off approach to, yeah. <laughs> to uh, uh -huh. <laughs> expounding my true thoughts on some of these things, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's different. Yeah. yeah, each regulatory pathway is different. The things they require are different. Um, mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It seems like, at least from my perspective, and I don't have any professional experience like you do, mm -hmm. but it seems like in the United States we have to prove it to be guilty and exclude it rather than Europe. They have to prove that it's innocent mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I don't, I don't know yeah, if that's yeah, exactly maybe, fair, uh -huh. but it's mm -hmm. just... Definitely different paradigms. Yeah. I think maybe the effect of socialized medicine that is predominant more in Europe and how hmm. that might play a role. I don't know if you have any yeah, I don't know. thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't know how that um, yeah, plays or doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of this conversation um, plays into, I, I, I think of something I've, taught several times is I have like four rules of eating number mm -hmm. one you need to eat period mm -hmm. and then we need to eat healthy mm -hmm. like more of the the food pyramid food plate kind of just the the basic carbs and mm -hmm. vegetables and protein and fiber like we're we're getting the basics mm -hmm. and it's, it's fairly balanced but I mean coming from the regulatory right what does healthy mean right just this last year it got very well defined. Some, you know, like Cliff Bar and uh, I think Kind Bar as well. They said healthy on their packaging, and they got they got some letters from you know the uh, I don't remember if it's FDA or FTC, but um, so the Food and Drug Administration or the the uh, Federal Trade Commission. Um, and the two different divisions do different different things. Mm -hmm. FDA is certainly more about uh, the safety, uh, GMP, so um, you know, good manufacturing, quality. Yeah, the quality control aspect of it. With the FTC, that's more about the marketing aspect, what you are and are not allowed to say, because um, we don't want the public to be deceived, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you don't want yeah, the public to be public. deceived. You don't want to, to see, um, you know. Uh, some sort of candy bar that says healthy on it, right? So yeah. what is healthy defined as? So um, with you saying healthy, right, it, I'm just bringing that, that yeah, point up, totally. right? You can certainly get uh, get very whirled away as a regulatory person looking at every single darn uh, label mm -hmm. <laughs> and finding fault with all those labels. Yeah. Um, and and the, the, the words just having meaning, you know, it's like, totally. you know, as, as a regulatory person, um, and what I was doing, you know, you dabble in the science and you dabble in the legal. And so you have to learn to speak legalese. You learn the the meaning and the importance of exactly defined, how, how words are de exactly defined and then how they are interpreted in the world. So, um, yeah, I've spoken on that. <laughs> words really do matter. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, what, what came from that discussion on what the healthy means? Yeah, exactly. So um, it's very well defined now. And uh, so the Cliff Bar and the Kind Bar, um, I believe they got dinged on um, the added sugar 
aspect of it. So, so in order to be healthy, you know, you can't have X amount of sodium, you can't have X amount of added sugar, this and that, um, in the regulations. And so I think that's what they, yeah, what they got in so so they can do that. pure cauliflower, then it's healthy. And if it's not, <laughs> you could probably, you could probably say healthy on it. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. As long as not, not too much salt, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. Not added not salt. No oil. added added oil. Right. Yeah. Like just a ma- right not amount. Too much, too much cheese. You got to yeah. make exactly. Yeah. Uh, make everyone happy. So mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Pure cauliflower. I think that's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that won't have a label on it, right? Yeah. Right. Because like you know, an apple won't have a label. Mm-hmm. So um, labels are are for certain things as well. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So eating, eating healthy and then eating clean is kind of the the next drilling down another level Mm -hmm. of organic grass fed, you know, all of those like that, um, the art of the ingredients, Mm -hmm. like really looking at labels. And I think that's where a lot as from a, from a a clinician who's seeing patients and working with people and you've been there too. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's where a lot of people can go, Mm -hmm. but for me, I'm just helping try to, pe- most of the time, helping people eat healthy. Heck, I, I'm with you. Like, give folks a single thing to do, right? Because mm-hmm. life is hard enough to figure out the cauliflower, right? Um, yeah, staying yeah. staying simple with um, recommendations, I think, is best, right? Totally. Yeah. And then that's basically my, my fourth rule of eating is don't jump ahead. Mm-hmm. Don't try to focus on eating clean that we're losing the sight of eating healthy or yeah. eating at all because yeah. I think it's it's easy to do and when you're focusing on ingredients and oh for sure like people people can become afraid of food and I yeah certainly watch myself as a naturopath and I check myself like am I making these people afraid of food mm-hmm. right um and yeah scaled scaled back certainly some of my recommendations probably just to be more simple because we can start off with the ba- like truly basic of are you eating five vegetables a day, right? Mm-hmm. How many, like truly, right? It's hard for me to get that many vegetables a day. Um, so yeah, yeah, keep it simple. Yeah, <laughs> so this is the Naturopathic Family Podcast. I like the idea of the naturopathic family as mm-hmm. one who is trying to trying to live healthy, trying to eat healthy, mm-hmm. balancing oh, maybe some complex health needs mm-hmm. um, with seeking, you know, specialist, um, that con- traditional medical care that we often think of, but mm-hmm. also embracing more natural um, things as well. Um, as a regulatory, again, I'm going to be, because yeah. uh, words, like we said, words have meaning, right? What does healthy mean? Regulatory has, like I said, uh-huh. right? Like if you saw healthy on, on a bar, it's, it's got to mean something. And natural, that's something that has, right, because it's not defined, mm-hmm. right? And so you can go into the supermarket and see all sorts of packaging that says natural on it, but it doesn't mean anything, right, out there at the, at the moment. You know, maybe someday the FDA or FTC, you know, somebody will, will define natural because right now all sorts of companies are getting lawsuits from, you know, different, different uh, lawyers that – Go look for anything underneath, like a rock, to uh, sue sue folks about, um, and like Nordic Naturals, right? Like we recommend Nordic Naturals, great mm-hmm. great products. Uh, they got sued because they have Naturals in their in their name, and the processing of some of their ingredients. Some lawyer found someone to bring uh, a suit with them, and they, yeah, the the lawyer won, right? Like the lawyer and the, the plaintiff won, so. 
And heck, I mean, that's like they hold our name. How hard. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so natural. Anyways, that's going interesting. Back, mm-hmm. No, thank you. Yeah, I, I think. Um, or the term organic is a little more defined. Oh, yeah, for not? sure. Yep, exactly. Yep, uh-huh. there's very specific certifying agencies, right? You have to make sure you're certified, right? Um, you can't just say organic and not be organic. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, some things are better defined than others. What other words do we need to be watch for? <laughs> That's right. For? Healthy. Now that we're, Natural. Now that we're going to go through the grocery <laughs> store and look at everything that we pick up, what what do we need to watch for or, or think about being as a conscientious shopper? Um, what words? What words? We talked about healthy. We talked about natural. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, certainly the else. natural one that I I just roll my eyes at because everything can be natural, and uh, um, it just it loses its meaning, right? That's mm-hmm. like why things got defined by uh, the federal government, like organic, because it was losing its meaning if everybody is saying it and it's not defined as anything. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, you know, like, like I mentioned how I, I recommend how to eat. I, uh, I eat pretty simply, so I don't, I'm not looking at too, I mean, I'm looking at labels because I'm a regulatory person who mm-hmm. looks at labels, but, um, for myself, I mean, I eat mostly, you know, the foods on the outside of the, grocery store mm-hmm. and and things like that um certainly from a quality perspective there was recently um some netflix documentary um on right on this is totally separate but still in the regulatory realm so i'm going to talk about yeah, it yeah. uh um right the salmonella on on um a romaine lettuce right mm-hmm. and the salmonella on the um on the cantaloupe right so certain foods and um concerns on food safety or different type of food safety right and so mm-hmm. that's why that's how it's all tying back in the regulatory because um you have to prove the safety of your manufacturing, which, you know, all the food on those inside aisles, right? Oftentimes as naturopathic doctors, we say, oh, eat on the outside of the grocery store because that's all the whole food, right? It's good whole food. And so you can chop it up. You know what it is. There's not many or any preservatives in it. Um, but, you know, if it's been washed with <laughs> salmonella water, if it's been washed with E. coli water, um, right, that can be that can be a concern. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. Anyway, just to be smart, be <laughs> just yeah. Know what you're look, looking for. Know it. Um, yeah. Exactly. Be conscientious. Yeah. Have a purpose. And again, right? Like me, even just saying that out loud was like, oh golly. And now I've just made people afraid of food again, right? Now they're afraid of the outside of the aisles, and now they're afraid of the inside of the aisles, and we're all just afraid, and so we don't eat anything, which is not correct. And I certainly temper my. Uh, um, you know, what you hear on the news, right, with, like, the day-to-day reality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know. Because we need to eat, <laughs> and then we need to try to eat as healthy as we can. <laughs> and we go from mm-hmm. there. Because food, I, I think, food can be, and hopefully is, really nourishing for us. Yeah, exactly. We can hopefully have a good relationship with food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And don't think too much about it while we're eating it. Of all the ingredients of what, how it's been processed, yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. As we wrap up, um, what takeaways do you have um, from your experience mm-hmm. as a naturopathic doctor working in the toxicology regulatory food safety realm? Mm-hmm. 
what what takeaways um, do you have for somebody who's maybe say young parents with a fa busy family mm -hmm. trying to take care of everything, trying to keep their family safe? Mm -hmm. what, what would you leave with them today? Um, I mean, I, I don't know if it's me, you know, I, me as a naturopathic doctor or, you know, knowledge in the regulatory realm or anything, but uh, keeping things simple, right? Yeah. Um, I love frozen peas. I eat so many frozen peas. I think it's, right, like, don't be afraid of frozen. Frozen's yeah. a great way of preserving nutrients, right? Totally. I mean, it's so easy. You just, it's always in the freezer. You can pull it out. Um, yeah, there, there are, you can do it. There's ways of doing it. Don't overthink it. Obviously, the more information we have um, at our fingertips, the more scary the world seems. But uh, we're actually doing Thank you so much for listening to the Naturopathic Family Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something new that you can apply to your health and to your family. If you did, please take a minute and leave a review on your podcast platform so that others can find this podcast and benefit from it as well. We'll see you next time. And until then, be well.